You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these are your notes about what we're going to say. What does it say? it would be a good... (laughs) I didn't even get to idea. Maybe I can just ask you the question. (laughs) It's going well. It's going really well. (laughs) Welcome back to this week's episode of the Right and Wrong podcast. As always, I'm Jamie and joining me today is the last of the RNA's Agent of the Year finalists, Lorella Belli. Hi, welcome to the show, Lorella. Uh, hi, JB. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, hello, everyone. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Congratulations on being nominated for this very prestigious and uh, competitive category. How does it feel to be getting such wonderful recognition for your work? Um, it's been it's been great. Um, uh, uh, a surprise. I wasn't expecting it. Um, so it was even nicer because of that. Um, I've been a member for a very long time and the agents have been mm. members. We represent so many authors of romance, women's fiction in general, that, um, yes, it was just great um, to see uh, to see that recognized. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Yeah. And did it feel like uh, an especially um, exciting and sort of uh, special year for you? Um, I, to be perfectly honest, um, I, I did. I don't think we did anything kind of slightly different this year. <laughs> we, <laughs> You're just always so, wonderful. <laughs> uh, yes, of course. Um, no, but ge- <laughs> genuinely, um, genuinely, I mean, we've been representing, uh, um, you know, uh, women's fiction, romances, um, contemporary, mm. all types. Uh, for for a long time, so um, yes, uh, some of our authors have been particularly successful over the years. Um, I, I I didn't think that this year was a particular standout year in that sense. Um, yes, the agency was you know it's been great. We had uh, our best year despite the pandemic. That was our best year in terms of. Um, you know, how the agency went in general. Uh, so I guess everything contributed to it. So yes, but it, it was a it was really nice thing to have, especially after every, everything we've been through in the last, you know, year and a half, I would say. Yeah. So that, that was a nice, nice, nice thing to, 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 to get. Yeah. I mean, I guess just the fact that even if you maintain the same standard that you were at before during this kind of crazy last couple of years, that's, you know, an achievement in itself. Did you find you had to adapt and, and do very different things in the wake of lockdown and the pandemic? Uh, yes, I, I, we did. Just I guess like everybody, really, and uh, publishing and not publishing. But yes, I mean the the the, the first thing would be uh, clearly working remotely. That was something that we were doing every now and then, but not as a you know just a way of working for such a long time. Um, mm. And we actually uh, we I think we did the lockdown. Um, here in the UK was at the end of March, uh, but I am Italian, so the situation there was really bad uh, earlier in the year. So 
to me when I was hearing, you know, colleagues and friends and family uh, in Italy telling me what was happening. I just thought it was a matter of time. So we actually started working remotely. Uh, it was about two and a half weeks before the lockdown actually started here. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So we kind of, by the time that happened, we were already set up, um, all of us to, to be able to work remotely. So that was uh, an adjustment for, for you know, for, for, for everyone, I guess. Yes. yes. Yeah. Now that um, we're somewhat closer to what the way things used to be, do you think there's anything that you anything that you've kind of taken on during lockdown, during working remotely, that you're going to continue doing? Yes, I would say there were certain practices, work practices that um, uh, I think were not that bad. Again, the the, the ability to work remotely. Um, you know, I was one of those people that I quite like to be in the office uh, myself. So I, I really thought um, certain things would be done best in the office for some reason. And I've actually discovered that that's not necessarily the case. Um, I think if it's only, say, you or your agency doing, doing that is one thing, but the old world was doing it. But where we saw things that we will definitely, uh, that has changed, I don't think we are going back to is, for example, the use so for to process contracts. Uh, we, we, we do a lot with foreign publishers. We, we kind of specialize in translation rights at the agency. So we work with different countries in the world. And in, you know, in some countries, uh, uh, publishers prefer to have still hard copies of contracts, for example, instead of uh, accepting electronic signature. So all of a sudden, uh, now we're very, very few exceptions. Everyone is accepting digital, you know, copies of, of documents, which is fantastic because, you know, we kind of saves um, time and money going to post office, uh, reduces the time that you know, it takes to do things. So that that's actually really good. Same thing with tax forms, uh, anything like that, that, you know, we need to. So certain things are really changed um, and I don't think we'll definitely go back. Um, like everybody else, we've discovered, um, you know, the, the power of... Um, Zoom and uh, Skype and all that as well. Um, so you know, for book, for, you know, for London Book Fair, Frank, two Frankfurts actually now, and one London Book Fair, we conducted all the meetings kind of online, and we saw that there could be things like, for example, we prepared authors' videos or presentations, and we could, um, you know, we could do that while in person as much as that nicer and preferable um but you couldn't really do the same um plus you could fit in a lot more meeting that you would in five days in frankfurt no matter how packed your schedule is or three days in london so you know certain things i think we, we will we will carry on uh doing even after all this is kind of uh, back to normal if it's finished and we're back to normal yeah no i was going to say it's sort of amazing how being pushed out of your comfort zone you are forced to find new things or new ways to do things that might be better than they were yes, before. Yes, I would say definitely that that was a, a lesson. And um, uh, and yes, I, I think it really applied to all aspects of the business, um, mm. you know, whether, you know, submissions before the pandemic, we were still receiving, for example, several submissions, you know, by post. So people were still sending um, manuscripts that way. Uh, we've hardly any since then by post, uh, which is good. Um, it's good for all sorts of reasons. Um, uh, and I think people are, you know, just getting used to um, just being more online in general, submitting that way, uh, 
confident sending their their books, their manuscripts by attachment. Um, in the past, has not always been the case. <laughs> Some people yeah. prefer to, to you know to send. Uh, they they I just remember in the days where people would send their manuscript and then uh, they um, uh, they had all these legal notices uh, about uh, copyright and stuff like that, which yes, they were not necessarily. Really, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that's all gone. So I guess. Um, yeah, every every aspect I can think of, frankly. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's dial it back a bit. Talk about you. You've been in the publish industry for quite a long time, quite a, quite a few years now. Am I right in thinking that you knew very early that you wanted to work in publishing? Y- yes. Um, yes, I've always been really curious and very really passionate about books and people. Um, mm. So because of that, I've always looked at, um, pro- you know, even when I was a teenager, profession where I could do both. Um, oh. I was clear. I loved, um, I love other cultures. I love languages. Um, I studied literature, but I, I, you know, I'm quite curious. So I've always thought, what kind of job can I do? Uh, I can combine these two things. And um, when I read for the very first time um, about literary agents, that I, I just found my calling and I knew that's what um, what I wanted to do. And then I started researching more and I actually ended up in my last year at uni, I decided to, I actually wrote my dissertation on history of literary agency. So I was getting all the theory mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so I, I knew that what, what I was wanted to do. And I think my, uh, that book eventually became a book and um was the title was the literary agent as businessman and as promoter of literature which i still think about the two core functions an an agent has oh wow because it's interesting uh how many people sort of don't realize that a literary agent is a thing and then they 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 suddenly say oh that's a thing that's awesome and then they want to do it and that's a lot of (laughs) agents that i've spoken to found that but you 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 obviously learned that at some point but Sounds like you were studying the profession for a long time. Did you ever want to write? Did you ever thought about being an author yourself? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I've done. I've, I've written some non-fiction, but not books, just pieces, okay. pieces of journalism and things like that. And that, you know, that book became, you know, kind of was was published, uh, but not. Uh, no, I don't think. Uh, I mean, if you're referring even to fiction, no, I don't know if I have <laughs> the ability. I, I don't think that would ever be put to the test. But I definitely don't have, I think, the drive and the passion to okay. do that. It takes. It takes not just skill but actually um, you really want to be a writer you really have to you feel you need to have something that you genuinely want to share and say and uh, and I never had that I don't know maybe I didn't have much to say I don't know well actually I can be very opinionated <laughs> so I have a lot to say but um, but I don't think no no writing has never been um, something that I, I thought of as a possible profession or even something that I would do in my spare time just to yeah no <laughs> Yeah, strictly the business side of things. Yes, yeah. I mean, enjoy, enjoy reading other people's work, uh, working mm. creatively, you know, with, with authors. Um, I love that. But, um, but yes, no. The the um, the the idea of staying hours, maybe on my own, writing and researching. That I don't think um, okay. is where, yeah, where <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what I want to do, I wanted to do, yes. Sure. Yeah. But I do see loads of people, other agents do and uh, editors do, and I'm in awe. Yeah. I mean, already writing a book is such a big commitment. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, because uh, I know how 
how much effort and work it involves being an agent or being an editor. Um, and, uh, you know, that they can actually find the time to do that. I think it's just really fantastic. Um, you know, yeah. everyone can do that. Yeah. But I think it's the same for so many writers, right? Like so many writers work full time and you know that someone sort of has the passion and the drive to be a writer if they can fit writing a novel around, you know, full time, full time work. Yes, yes. But you need to want it. You really need exactly, it needs yeah. to be something that you, you, you know, you have to do. Uh, and in that case, you just work around all, uh, anything else in your life or the other, you know, other people might suffer, maybe your family, maybe your friends, <laughs> or maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, yeah. sometimes. But, you know, if that's something that, um, you know, that you should pursue it. Like anything, I really think anything in life, you should really pursue it, um, uh, yeah. whether it's writing or, uh, yeah, anything really. Um, yeah. So you you studied the business and wrote that dissertation at university in Italy, right? Yes, I um I I studied in Venice, and uh, so I did it. So my last year, I went to Warwick University, um, and I did Renaissance theatre, as you do. <laughs> uh, it was it was great, but I mean the, the the real reason behind that is that um, which actually I'll tell you how. Well, the very first time I heard about agencies uh, at the time, I was to, supposed to write something about you know do a dissertation on, on Renaissance theatre. I just wanted to to write something uh, about that. I was passionate about the time. I had applied to Warwick uh, for, you know, a scholarship on that topic. And, I, you know, I was, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but then my uh, supervisor at the time that secretly was writing a thriller actually gave me one of these assignments. Why well, could you find out who, you know, who a literary agent that specializes in? I said, oh, what? What do they do? <laughs> um, and then that now I started looking into it and then it takes me back to the story I was telling you earlier. So that's why I learned about aging. So it was actually my supervisor at the time that, uh, but by then I already applied to work university. So I was going oh. there to start, which was fantastic because I was there and I came, um, you know, I, I was able to actually do, because the, the profession really started in London, you know, not necessarily a literary agent, you know, yeah. it's a other type of agents, but it's the same kind of business model if you want. But that enabled me to come to London and speak to loads of agents at the time. I was a student, so uh, people were very happy to talk to me about all sorts of things. Um, so I met, you know, pretty much most agents in London at the time. We're talking about like now about 30, 28 28, 29 years ago. So it was, um, yeah, it was a different publishing was very different. And, um, and I met some really, truly amazing agents that then when I, um, that made me even more convinced I wanted to be an agent, you know, especially some of them, not, not, but some, I yeah. definitely said, oh, yes, that's what I want to do. Um, yeah. So that, that was my journey. And then when I finished basically at uni, I never worked in Italy. So I came straight to London and happy with my dissertation. I was just going around and say, oh, by the way, this is me. I've actually, you know, I've written this thing. And people said, oh, wow, where do you get all this information? There's nothing written about agents. Where do you find that? Uh, so that's how it started. Really. Did you work? At any agencies or did you go straight into setting up your own agency no i i did work as no 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 gosh no i think only a mad person not even me at the time <laughs> I, I would have gone straight into that i don't know no i i um i, I did work experience and interned with different agencies mm. um but i also wanted to 
uh, work for publishers because I thought if we are selling to publishers, I really wanted to understand exactly how it works in a publishing house. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought, I mean, with my languages and I, I guess my personality, probably the um, the easiest way to get in was in rights, selling rights in the rights department. So you could um, you know deal with foreign publishers and yeah. learn about contracts, learn about negotiating and selling, which I love doing. Um, so yes, so I uh, I worked at other agencies and then I worked publishers over at HarperCollins and at um, uh, Conrad Octopus doing illustrated books uh, because I was really uh, I loved uh, I love I love cooking and cookery books and so it was fantastic a really great experience um, but then I um, you know I still wanted to be an agent and um, so I joined an agency where one of the agents there left to set up their own agency so they were looking some for somebody kind of young to start at least from scratch so that's how it started for me so i stayed there for about four 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 and a half years or something Mm. like that uh and then it was the time that you know i knew i knew that sooner or later i wanted to have my own agency so at that point um i talked to my authors because they were all first time authors people that they started you know the kind of publishing journey with me and so i talked to them and they said well if you're leaving wherever you go we're coming with you so that made my decision kind of easier um, and then there have been some amazing agents that I met that were very encouraging. One, I just mentioned one, but Ali Anderson, which I love him very dearly. He's always been kind of a mentor and hugely successful, su- successful and is still today the same person that I met all these years ago. That's oh, nice. Um, so yes, yes, he's um, he's absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, so I remember calling him and I said, "Well, I'm thinking of doing that." And he just said, "Well, as you remember, the first time you came to see me, and I think you should be doing it." You know, <laughs> uh, so combined to you know my was doing that and and loads of other people. You know, I'm just mentioning him, but really loads yeah. of other people. So then that that happened. That was. 2002 and um and next mm. year we'll be celebrating the agency 20th anniversary which is very exciting oh wow that'd be great <laughs> um well it sounds like you have a very pragmatic approach to to life and work is it sounds you sort of got every experience you could surrounding being an agent from all the angles did um did you find that working for a publisher has has given you a really good insight now that you sort of are an agent with your own agency and stuff Yes, yes. I, I, I enjoyed the experience. I, I was very, really, literally very curious. But above all, I always thought, you know, when you're negotiating with somebody, um, mm. up to what point when they say no, is the no because they can't do it or because they don't want to do it? And I remember very um, clearly uh, when uh, um, when I left, I won't mention which publisher, but, um, you know, I left the job at the publisher and then I started as an agent and I took on this project. And um, one actually one of my because I enjoy working on contracts so I became uh, although I you know they had people to do contracts but they wanted to uh, different imprints try to have some kind of coordinating between the different imprints and I volunteered for that task and uh, so I was very familiar with what the contract that publisher uh, give authors um, and one of the very first books I actually took on as an agent and sold was actually to that company. So when it came to negotiating the contract, it was actually very interesting because um, I was asking for certain things and then uh, my counterpart, uh, which hadn't been there for very long, said, oh, no, we can't do that. And he said, well, yes, you can. You've done it for that author and that author and that author. So mm. that's, that was a very example of um, a very practical example of how things can be really easy. You know, I think, I think genuinely some 
sometimes certain things um, are hard to do. And then uh, when you're initiating people, the editor will explain why, or even the contract department will say, you know, will say, but there are certain things that are definitely on the table. And I think if you, you know, if you kind of have uh, your argument and why, why you're asking for that and, and, and prove that it is possible, um, then, you know, it should, should work one way or the other. Yeah, no, that sounds like, it sounds like something that would be so useful when you're sitting on the other side of the table as an agent with sort of pitching an author, pitching a Yes, book. yeah. And if you know, for example, I just remember all meetings, sometimes an editor would come and pitch their project and then somebody from sales will kill it because they would think we'll sell enough copies. So mm. one of the things I'm always very wary when we're pitching other books is trying to look at it from different points of view, what it will be like when, you know, that project is being uh, presented at the editorial level or you know then at acquisition meetings where there is people from from uh, from marketing from you know the different the, the different uh, departments of a publishing house so everyone will 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 uh, say their their piece about that so you know pitching is always good to think um, of all these aspects as well so that basically you're making the life of the editor easier if you can't preempt any questions one of the <laughs> colleagues might ask when you're not there to answer it yourself so if you enable the editor to have all the information they have to make the case for the book that that's good so I guess that was very valuable just like when you decided on covers of books as well the, the conversations that go um, go on in publishing house uh, to decide why to go that way or the other and yeah that's another example of where uh, that was very helpful yes yeah it sounds it sounds almost like uh, being a lawyer and you sort of have to you're just treating the book as the sort of defendant and you need to be ready for all of the cross-examination that the publisher is going to do to you I mean, the thing is, no, it, it, that comes a bit, a bit later in a way, not from a sales yeah. point of view, but really it is passion. I mean, the editor, they will never take that book to, to their editorial meeting in the first place unless they, they really believe in the book, they're excited about it. Yeah. So it's just then you have to have the reality check of, okay, well, we love this, but how many copies are we going to sell of it? Um, okay. So you need to do all that. And I guess as agents, the more you can you know, provide that kind of information or support you know give the any any stats or data that you might have um the the better the other person the person can make a more informed decision so that that's helpful but i would say um everything really starts with the passion whether you're an agent when you're taking on an author it's same thing with the editor they they really need to be excited about the book otherwise you know all the rest doesn't really matter really because it won't get to that stage Yeah. yeah yeah of course of course yeah no need to. There's no point jumping ahead steps if you haven't. You know, you can't skip up the first ones. Yes. <laughs> so when you set up the agency, which was in 2002. Yes. What's it like? Like, how did you set about just starting an agency? Um, well, I was because I've been an agent for a few years uh, mm. as well, working at another agency. When I moved to the the authors that I found that they all came with me, so I didn't really start from zero. I mean, they came with me, but the contracts were belonged to the previous agency. So right. from a financial point of view, the first um, year would have been a tough one just because, you know, you're carrying on doing all the work, but you're not getting any of the money coming from working on these books. Uh, but I guess I... Um, uh, it, it kind of really worked well for me uh, in the sense that I just literally months after I started, I started, you know, I, I got this book from an American 
uh, agent I, I've been partnering, they would sell something to their to American publishers, and they would ask me if I would find a, a UK publisher for for their list. Okay. So they send me, but they they spe- they specialize in nonfiction. So all of a sudden they got this novel, and they were excited about. But the agent said to me, "Look, we don't really do that much fiction. What do you think of this?" And when I read it, I just thought, "Oh my god, this is fantastic!" And uh, <laughs> and she said, "By the way, the author is American, but lives in London." And I said, "Okay, like, we need to be there." straight away so that was my very first signing at the agency and that ended up being a very big deal um i mean talking about 2002 well actually i started at 2002 the agency so that would have been early to 2003 and mm-hmm. then that was a six-figure deal to random house now six mm-hmm. figures in 20 yeah <laughs> it was nice <laughs> so let's say that my first year was it started off well that was good <laughs> yes it sounds like you have good friends gonna help you out and did you you worked with portobello business center is that right uh yes i i've actually um uh yes because the way it started is because when i set up the agency because they are in portobello as well and um and i wanted to check if you know if there was anything that we could do because i knew they were doing um uh programs, they have several types of programs on marketing, on this or that. And when I heard more about it, I realized they're actually representing brands like, I mean, they had um, the Innocent, which is now Innocent Drinks, was one of their clients. And I realized a lot of these people, especially some, um, even names, quite known names, um, there could be an opportunity maybe for some of these um, business people to uh, to do a book of whatever brand they had. So just a conversation with somebody there, and they said, well, do you want to come and talk to um, some, some of our businesses uh, about publishing and about how do you go about um, uh, writing a book? Say you are, you, you could be, you can have own gyms or a restaurant. How you know what what stages? What, what would you do if um, if I have this company uh, that is known for this and my products are already out there? But do how would you go about doing a book? So yes, that's how I, I started collaborating with them. So I did workshops uh, for you know for, for other businesses basically yeah. oh okay are you still doing those workshops no i don't i think they've really changed i think they had major cuts to the the grants they used to get um so two reasons a because of that so they think they have cut down on that and plus over time i've just realized that um uh, I mean, the, the business was growing. I didn't have as much time to do that. And yeah, um, yeah it was a combination of things, frankly. But um, yeah, but we had some some really interesting, like, we did some really interesting events, uh, events and anything like that. So we had, for example, uh, it, it was nice to make connections with really um, exciting, brilliant people. So uh, I remember one, one time we did an event for an author and then uh, through some of these businesses, one was doing catering and one I was doing you know so they they came in and um and actually uh, it was it, it was a win-win for both parties i guess in oh, that sense so it was just nice going that networking and collaboration um still with the or cake making you know sometimes when you do book launches you have cakes in the shape of a book or, or <laughs> cupcakes you know so it was just it is always i mean i told you i was very curious <laughs> i do yeah. like people so i ask loads of questions so um I, I can't just be in a room with people and not go and talk to them so <laughs> that's okay. what happened that sounds like exactly what you would want in an agent so you've definitely found your calling there <laughs> thank you and are you, are you currently open to submissions 
Um, we right now, to be honest, we are um, we're telling people if they can wait a bit because we just started the Frankfurt Book Fair and mm. um, and we had a three week Frankfurt Book Fair this year, so it's been quite intense. Um, so I think that we are focusing on that and our existing clients at the moment. But we do, you know, the, we do take a look. I think uh, going forward from January will be, I guess, back to normal. Um, about everything so uh frankly if people send things in they won't be read straight away um so maybe uh, i would say from from january uh will be better frankly okay but generally we in general we have i mean they when i started uh you know as i was saying before the vast majority of my authors were first-time authors we you know with submissions coming in uh the most of them came from from submissions so we do read and look at them we just uh are clearly like everybody else quite cautious because now we we know what kind of works and doesn't work at least for us um we also have you know we represent many authors now so we wouldn't want for example somebody on the list as brilliant as they might be that is too too similar to some to another author we represent we clearly don't want to create um you know, especially on the non-fiction side. So if you are an expert writing on a certain topic, we probably will take and, you know, represent another one, right? Along yeah, exactly the yeah. same lines, yes. Because you don't want to compete against yourself. Yes, yes, exactly, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So is your, when you do open in January, potentially? For, for the submissions, I mean, people can still submit now, but we are but not, frankly, as fast now as yeah. we would normally be, yes. When the window is open, uh, is the submission package, is it pretty standard? Is it 10,000 words, a cover letter, synopsis? Yeah, I, I, frankly, I think the best way of doing it is saves, uh, you know, author's time. And I would say send an email, at least that's what, what works for us. Send an email um, just describing the book and what, uh, you know, I, I work on a really, really strong pitch, something that is memorable. I mean, we are getting about 30 to 40 submissions a day and we are, yeah. we are like a boutique agency, imagine. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of emails to receive. Now, most of them, well, no, not most of them, but some of them are mm, not really right for us. So we don't really do children's books, for example. Uh, We handle some children's books, but that's from our existing authors. So if we represent an author, we'd handle anything they write. But we wouldn't be taking on children's books per se. Um, So, But we still get submissions of people sending us, um, you know, (laughs) middle grade novels, YA novels. So we wouldn't be the right agents for them. So we turn them down, not because they're bad. We don't have no idea if they're great or not, but um, it's just not what we do. Same things for or science fiction or fantasy so i just recommend to everyone just just do your research and see what um that particular agency or agent um is interested in it's so easy now with social media in the old days you just get books um, you know so if you re- write in a certain area say you're writing a thriller just you know, not just read uh, read 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 a lot in that area but also you know sometimes authors say thank you to the agents in the you know in the acknowledgement so that was a way of where you could find out a lot who represents whom but these days you know online you can find absolutely everything just just follow the the agent or the agency on social media and you get a pretty good idea of what they do um yeah. so that would really say yeah i would say i always compare 
pitching a book a little bit when you're looking for a job, you know, would you send your CV, same CV absolutely to everyone? That's just madness. Is you know, hoping that uh, one of <laughs> one in a hundred will work. I think a more, much more tailored approach would work better, and then you have much better chance and, and be less disheartened because, as I say, sometimes people are turning down. They haven't even read what you turn down. It just simply is not the right thing for them. Yeah, it's not, or, or or as you said earlier, they have some an author in that same space and yes. they can't take you on as well because it should be too difficult yeah i think i think if there are you know there are certain areas you take you know romance or women's fiction um it, there is i mean it seems just one type of book there's actually quite a broad category they say yeah. from crime and thrillers i would say more that applies on in non-fiction so if mm. we have say an author that specializes in popular psychology about a certain say is an expert on sleep or an expert on dreams um clearly if you are one of those you don't want another one but if we're yeah. talking about fiction that's very different i mean two authors can be even you know have the same synopsis but the results are completely different so i would say that would apply more to yes to, to non-fiction than to fiction um yes so when you do receive a submission mm-hmm. and it has all the component parts of it and i ask this to all the agents that come on yes. because it's it's always interesting how it varies uh which part do you open First. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And where do you sort of attribute the most value? Mm, uh, the first thing for me would be the email the email or the letter that you're saying. That's absolutely the first thing. That already tells me how... Um, how uh, much they really thought about it. It's not just writing the book. You have to sell it as mm. well. So it's just how uh, how much thought has gone into that. So say, for example, somebody is writing commercial fiction and they send you a, a book that they say is like 60,000 words. Now, that's not a novel, not a commercial novel. Uh, literary fiction can be, you know, even just even just the word count can tell you a little bit what... Um, uh, but I would say... A presentation that sounds where it sounds you're serious about what you're doing. You're not just scribbling your spare time. This is, which is absolutely fine. But I think when the moment you want to get an agent, uh, which you have to remember is paid on what they sell on your behalf. So if they can do, they do all the work, but they don't get to sell your work. They don't yeah. get any money. So that really focuses your mind on things that, you know, you, you, you are confident uh, you'll be able to sell. So. It is basically the idea is of having some kind of uh, feeling that the author is, is serious about what they're doing, that they are um, uh, they know the market they are writing for, um, that they know in a way what their competition is. Um, so again, if you're writing a thriller, um, say maybe aimed at men, uh, do you know do you know who are the authors? Which are the big authors interacting in that area? Are you how are you different from that? What, what's good comparison? I always like comparisons and comparisons can be um you know other authors other books films anything now by comparison i don't mean um that's actually 
uh, something of two things. They say, well, my book is better than the X on the author X. I mean, it, it has, it has happened. Now that may be even true, but, um, I think it would be more helpful in, instead to say my readers, you know, readers of, that particular author book would also enjoy my book, um, yeah. uh, you know, because you are, it's good to align yourself with something recognizable that has been successful. Uh, that That's very helpful. Again, it shows that you read in that area, you are aware what your other, uh, other authors writing for, for similar readership are doing. That's really helpful. Um, so then in order, so that's the first thing I guess I would read. And then uh, for nonfiction in particular, I think um, the author's background and expertise is very important, uh, more than with fiction. For fiction, yeah. yes, it's good yeah. to know, but I, I, I do think for nonfiction is essential. Actually, sometimes in nonfiction is the author's even platform um, when you look at all this, the Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, yeah. so, you know, so that's more how many followers you have almost because then you work on on the proposal and packaging in such a way that it becomes a book but i would say um you know for uh for a novelist it's, it's good to get some information especially if you have you know if you've done courses writing courses you've uh, won any awards or anything like that is helpful but i would say is essential for non-fiction and then the, the thing i would also i would do is after the the initial letter i go straight into the text i always ask for the synopsis for fiction but i'll read straight the text um and i guess for me i just want to see the, you know, I want to read and get a sense from the book itself. Um, yeah, I get an idea if it works or doesn't work. Then if, when I read the text and I like what I'm reading, then I will read the synopsis just to see. Sometimes you can clearly see there is, there are, there might be issues with the structure, um, particular points or pace, anything like that. And then the yeah. synopsis is helpful for that. Synopsis is very helpful. So when you are, selling the book uh, when it comes to the actual sale of the book but I, I i go straight to the text first yeah okay well, that's interesting and hopefully anyone uh, looking to submit not just to you but to, to any agent will uh, will find that very helpful before we ask the final question i have <laughs> one one quick one to slip in first and that is for anyone looking to become a literary agent what advice would you give them Ah, uh, okay. I would say be a sponge, uh, absorb as much as you can of everything mm -hmm. around you. Um, just whether you're, you're reading, um, you're reading a newspaper, you're listening to the news, um, you're overhearing a conversation, um, just, um, just understand, uh, what people, what makes people think, what they, people are liking and read a lot clearly. So these two things, I think this, you have to have that kind of curiosity and uh, to want you to find out and discover things. Um, uh, then you would need uh, clearly um, a passion for maybe discovering authors, working with talent, the patient of also patience of doing that. Um, uh, and then on the technical side, clearly you do need to know your contracts. You need to be able to read your royalty statements. So I'm thinking something is starting out that wanted to be an agent. It's, it's rare that you go, and go straight away and be an agent. Just think about yeah. it as you're building a puzzle. You know, you've got the different bits. You put them all together so that you then you have the necessary skill then to, to be an agent, I would say. Because there yeah. is the editorial work that you're doing. But again, it's essential 
that you, you're able to also to negotiate. You do have an understanding of what the, the rates are. What um, when you are negotiating with an editor, if you have got if you have no idea whether the offer they've they made to you is is a good one or is a fair one, you know that that then that's a problem. So I guess you want. You want that kind of um, and read, 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 because then you can't um, you can't really uh, select uh, manuscripts or or pick projects if you can't really compare. To be able to sell them, you also have to compare them with with something else when you pitch to to editors. So in mm-hmm. a way, when agents are selling to editors, you actually spend a lot of time on on your pitch. Um, to refine it, to make it. So what you want is basically that the as soon as the, your, the editor reads your email, they already, they haven't read the book, but they are keen to do so. And they already get an idea in their mind who is going to buy that book. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a version of what the author should do with the agent, really, uh, in, the, in the first place. Um, so I would say that. So to be an agent, get a lot of experience wherever you can in any areas of publishing. Because I'm finding that most agents become agents either coming from from an editorial kind of background or experience or from a sales and rights experience. Clearly, they come, you know, could be all sorts of things, but the, the vast majority are from one area or the other. You just need to, to have both both kind of skills to, to, to do the role. So understanding numbers and figures and, and the legal language, but clearly also the ability to spot uh, something, which, which can be quite rough to start with, but then with work, you can see the potential. Yeah. So in summary... Be a sponge. Yes, be a sponge. <laughs> Absorb everything you can. <laughs> yeah, just take it all you, in. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a funny story because sometimes with my friends, um, especially when it comes to nonfiction, if I'm in two minds or if I want just to understand a bit more how people react to a certain, say, topic or theme, I'll just throw it out there in a group. And I can see it now they know me so well. They'll just go, oh, my God, Lorella, you do research for a book. You know, you're doing know, <laughs> things for it. So I said, is it? But, but I find it is extremely, extremely useful to do that that um uh and, and you i mean and then i see their reaction if there is no reaction whatsoever i mean clearly that's the, the the idea but if i see that there is an animated discussion pro or con that's perfect that's exactly what i'm looking for so i know we are like maybe to a winner or something like that oh it's clever i like it and that brings us on to the final question that we ask everybody if lorella you were stranded on a desert island and you could only take one book with you which book would you take? Uh, um, I think if I um, probably uh, I should pick something like practical and useful given their circumstances, <laughs> you know. But but I um, I think I'd probably to go something completely the opposite, which I I think I'll pick Wuthering Guides. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, yes, and I'll tell you, I mean, it's, it's one of those novels that one of the very few novels I've read many times, and every time I kind of enjoy it, even if I know exactly what's going to happen. So I think I, that's the kind of book that, um, uh, yes, that I'm attracted to in general. And I think um, probably the reason is because that that novel appeals um, to both my personality and my taste, but also to me as an agent. Um, uh-huh. So uh, I'll tell you what I mean. I think it works on so many levels. So when you read it, you have your passionate romance, love story, and then, uh, you know, kind of the revenge theme, the darkness there. Um, so you got, you know, all this kind of whirlwind. Uh, it, it, it's, it's compulsive. It, it is addictive. But then you also yeah. have um, the structure. The narrative structure is interesting. In the book and is you know if somebody wants to write i think is really 
a usable way of seeing how you do flashbacks, how to do recollections, because the story clearly is kind of starting the present, well, present of the time, and then goes back to the story. So um, I think it's a, it's a useful way of structuring a novel. So from that point of view, again, but when you read it, it doesn't really, it's not jarring, so it's not as if you are. So I think that's another thing that it does. Plus, I think it's still relevant. I mean, it's some of the kind of social issues it exposes, mental health, cruelty, position of women in society. I mean, th- th- there are still things that I think are relevant to readers today. Um, and even, I mean, if you think of even the, the author's journey to publication wasn't the easiest one. So it's not that she had to write yeah. under a different name. But I think, I mean, there are loads of things I think about the book and the author that are still very relatable. But above all, I just think it's, uh, it's just a great, um, a satisfying read and a page turning book. There's, yeah, there's a bit for, for everyone in there, I guess. Yeah. 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 So you would, <laughs> you would represent Emily Bronte, given the chance? Uh, yeah, it's very easy to say it now. At the time, actually, even, you know, people were taking gambles and things like that. Yeah, and I think true. the publisher, yeah, did take a gamble. And she didn't make much money. But um, yes, I, I think that would have been exciting, you know, to, <laughs> to have been involved with something like that. But it happens, you know, there are there are books today that, um, you know, you as an agent, you think they would do in a, certain, in a certain way. Maybe you get a lot of money for it, but then they don't sell very much or you've got nice yeah. prizes where they didn't pay much, but then it becomes... And then clearly, all of a sudden, when it is successful, everyone knew that all along. Yeah. 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 They always knew Harry Potter was going to be super successful all along. All the people that turned it down. (laughs) Absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) And that happens. I mean, I I, I won't tell you the number of um, that sometimes rejections I had, and I'm sure all agents had for, you know, literally loads loads and loads and loads until you find that person that uh, mm. really loves it takes it on and makes a success out of it and then you are the people that turning down come back to you and said oh i didn't send that to me you actually did <laughs> but it was called something different and that's for all sorts of reasons you know it's just could be timing there, there there's reasons why things happen yeah. uh, i guess that's all part of the excitement <laughs> yeah. well thank you so much uh lorella for coming on and chatting with me and, and sharing your experience with everyone it's been really interesting congratulations again on uh, being a finalist for the RNA's Agent of the Year. And if anyone listening would like to follow Lorella or the agency uh, to check out all of the latest news and updates, you can find them on Twitter at LBLAUK or on Facebook at the Lorella Belly Literary Agency. The website is currently uh, under construction, but I'm sure it'll be up soon. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thank you again, Lorella. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Jamie, and everyone there. And thank you, the RNA, again. It was a privilege and a joy. And uh, yes, thank you to everyone listening. We will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.